Hey, welcome to the Night Church Podcast. My name is Philip, and I am so excited for what you're about to listen to. These are sermons and presentations by young adults and for young adults. If you're visiting in the area, we hope that you join us for Night Church on Friday nights. Or if you're a regular here in Loma Linda, I hope that you'll share this sermon with someone that you love and care about. Now, for the sermon. He's a lot closer than you think. He's a lot more compassionate, too. He's a whole lot more loving. I want to tell you a quick story before I, before I begin. Two years ago, I was at, in my opinion, the lowest point spiritually of my life. Disengaged from church, disengaged from community. Pretty much with, like, no sense of life purpose. Deep in sexual addictions, and that's plural. And I go to this house church in Colton, and, and people are praying over me, and I encounter the love of the Father. In Ephesians 3, Paul writes that it's his desire that we have the power to understand the width, the depth, the height, the length of the love of God, even though it's too great for any one person to fully comprehend. And as these people are praying over me, I experience what I can only describe as the width of the love of God. I didn't see anything, but it, it was as if his love for me was on a timeline. And it was endless. Like his love for me existed before I was born, and it would endure until my body was in the grave. And I, in that moment, I start bawling my eyes out and weeping and saying, Abba, Abba. Abba, the Hebrew word for father. I'd never called God Abba before. But I was crying because I realized something. This love had been here my entire life. It was closer than my shirt is to my chest right now. It had been here my entire life and I had no idea. So I'm just so overwhelmed with his love over me. And it's so beautiful, the love of God, because I didn't hear accusation. I didn't hear a voice of condemnation. There was no, Jordan, I saw you watching pornography last night. Jordan, why are you disengaged from church? Get back to church. Get back in community. What are you doing? You're wasting your life away. There was none of that. It was a simple, Jordan, I am your father. You are my son. I love you. And it was the kindness and the love of the Father that drew my heart to repentance. And I repented with my own mouth. I repent of my lust. I repent of my fornication. I repent of my pride. I repent of my anger. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And let me tell you something. The power of the Holy Spirit is real. Because it was the Holy Spirit who delivered me, who set me free from these sexual addictions. It was the Holy Spirit himself, by his power alone, that freed me from addiction to sex. Addiction to masturbation, addiction to pornography. There are porn stars I used to watch whose names I cannot remember. It's him. Not me. It's all him. The Bible says the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. 
nothing. It's not freedom for freedom's sake. It's not salvation just to run around and do whatever we want and say like, oh yeah, I'm Christian, I'm free. No, it's freedom for the sake of relationship. He was calling me deeper into himself. Deeper to know him. And so I know that there are people dealing with with addictions, with, with struggles, and I'm not here to speak a voice of condemnation over you. I'm here to tell you that there is freedom and there is deliverance and his name is Jesus Christ. He's calling us into relationship. He's calling his church back to himself where we've missed him. Sometimes I think we, we do all these things on the periphery and we, we lose sight of who he really is. We lose sight of that simple call. Just come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Pray with me. Father, you are worthy of so much more than, than this. Yeah, Father, I just pray against any, any lukewarmness that's in this room right now, God. Set us on fire. Father, fix our eyes on you. You are the champion. You are the initiator of our faith. May we learn to respond to your love rightly. Thank you for teaching us to, to honor you. Holy Spirit, you have the stage. You have my voice. Open ears. Open eyes. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus tonight. It's here in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Last week, Pastor Phil talked about a God who empathizes with us. Right? We're capping off this series, this two-part series, He gets us. Right? And when Pastor Phil is talking about this God who empathizes with us, we had this visual of someone looking down into the pit. Right? And, and God isn't the God who's just at the top of the pit saying like, hey, how, how's the weather down there? Right? No. He's not the God who's just like, hey, you need some bread? Here's some bread. You need some water? Here's some water. No, th this is wild. This is wild. He's the one who goes down in the pit. He steps into the pit and he says, I am the bread. I am the water. <laughs> He's a God who goes through the same tests and trials that we do. He's a God who, is, who was tempted, yet he did not sin. And so we praise him. Why? Because he understands our weaknesses. We have a high priest. We have a savior who understands our weaknesses. There's a popular song. I think it's by like Mav City or something like that. It says, there's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. Right? He stepped off of his throne and came down to us to die on the cross, go down into the pit, get victory over death in the grave, and rise to life so that he could reconcile us back to himself. So that's what we talked about last week. Tonight we're going to talk about God who sees the desires of your heart, and he satisfies. 
a God who sees the deep longings of your heart and knows how to satisfy them. There's this verse, Psalm 37, verse 4. We're going to go over it a couple times today, or this evening. Psalm 37, verse 4 says this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. So what are the desires of your heart? Let's go beyond the, okay, I'm not saying this is not a good desire, but let's go beyond the career, education, financial stability, right? The desires of my heart, life purpose, safety and security for for my family, answers to my doubts, answers to my doubts about God. Genuine connection, faith community. God, I want to have a family. God, I'm, I'm here in a Seventh-day Adventist young adult night. Where, where's the man of God? Where's the woman of God in my life? Health and well-being for others, your friends and your family. Health and well-being for yourself. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from anxiety, depression. Freedom from perfectionism, from people-pleasing. And here's one. God, I am tired. I am tired. I am tired. I just want rest. What are your heart's desires? He sees the desires of our heart, and he desires to fill them. Right? We know God as the God who provides. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Jireh. He understands our desires. He desires to fill the void, right? It, in, in Matthew, we, we read about this, this God who, who sees the wildflowers on these hills, the yellow, the orange, the purple, right? He sees these ugly crows out, out flying around Loma Linda, right? And he's like, yo, I take care of the wildflowers, and look how beautifully they're blooming. I take care of the birds of air. How much more? Is he taking care of you? How much more is he taking care of you? Jehovah Jireh. So this is the first place where we see this phrase, Jehovah Jireh. It's in Genesis 22. What's the context? This is so so fascinating to me. God wakes up Abraham. Hey, Abraham. Yeah, God. Hey, Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice your son. Imagine being woken up like that. That's weird. It's scary. Why does God do that? He's asking Abraham to identify with his heart. Abraham, go sacrifice your son. Is a reflection, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Abraham, go sacrifice your son. So Abraham gets two servants and his son Isaac, and they go to this place to, to make the sacrifice. As, and as they're on their way, Isaac has the wood in his hand. They have the fire. And, and Isaac looks at his dad and he's like, Father, we have, we have the wood. We have the fire. Where's the sacrifice? You know those moments when you're with a kid and, like, it's a dangerous situation or they're asking questions that you don't really want to answer and so you just lie to them, all right? Like, I, like that's what Abraham was doing, right? Like, Father, where's the sacrifice? Oh, you're the sacrifice, son. No. <laughs> He's like, he says, the Lord will provide the sheep. The Lord will provide the sheep. 
But then a few moments later, Isaac has to face reality because the Bible says that after building the altar, Abraham tied Isaac up, placed him on the altar, and as he brings his arm back to stab and kill his son, the Lord says, Abraham, stop. And there was a ram in the thicket. So he sacrificed the lamb and called the place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Hmm. Is he Jehovah Jireh in your life? Is he Jehovah Jireh in your life? I don't know. I don't know. I can imagine there's some of you who are like, yeah, like I hear the song. It's a beautiful song. But God, I have been praying for months. And I have been waiting for a job to line up. I've been waiting for financial provision. I've been waiting to be surrounded by a community, a community that actually sees me. I'm tired of just showing up to these gatherings and, and just getting lost in the crowd. I want people who actually talk to me and, and want to know how I'm doing. God, I'm waiting for my life purpose. It seems like everybody else in, in my life knows what they're doing, but I'm lost. And so when we get to this place, when you see me say Jehovah Jireh, maybe there's something in your, mind, in your heart, in your mind that's like, yeah, I want to believe, but, but I haven't seen anything. I don't know if he's Jehovah Jireh for me. Jehovah Jireh. This is the thing that God is an empathetic God. That even in, even in our brokenness, even in those moments where, where we're waiting for answers, waiting for healing, if we have family members, maybe even ourselves who are going through these medical conditions, and we're just waiting for an answer from God, God, if we would just come through. But I'm reminded of Jesus and the importance of the ministry of Jesus on this earth as a human being. Jesus was somebody who identifies with our weaknesses, identifies with our struggle, is able to say, Guys, you don't understand. My best friend died. Guys, you don't understand. My entire people group betrayed me. And yelled at the top of their lungs, crucify him. Jesus understands what it's like to have nothing when it comes to money. He understands in a human body what it's like to have hormones running through your body and to remain celibate and single and to still worship God and to still praise him. This is a God who identifies with our struggles. And so we, we call him Jehovah Jireh because he understands the longings of our hearts. He knows. He knows. I'm going to take it a step further tonight. He's a God who gets us. He's a God who's here. He understands our desires, and he desires to fill this void. And because he is Jehovah Jireh, I promise you, he will provide. But what does he provide us with? This is where it gets beautiful for me, and I pray for you. What does he provide us with? He provides us with himself. Jehovah Jireh, what does he provide you with? Himself. 
He's more than just a literary character, right? More than someone we just read about in these books or learn about, you know, on VeggieTales or, dare I say, The Chosen, no shade, right? He's more than just that character. No, he's, he's the very word of God. He's the one that the entire scripture points to. Like, scripture isn't just pointing to this imaginary character. No, scripture is pointing to this being that you can encounter, that you can experience, that you can hear, that you can commune with. This being who, who knows how many hairs are on your head. This being who has thousands of thoughts about you. He's more than just the lyrics that we sing when we're in church or when we're in our cars. He's more than just the name and the lyrics. No, he inhabits the praises of his people. He's not a God who's far off. He is ever present in times of trouble. He will never leave you, never abandon you. He is near to the brokenhearted. Jehovah Jireh. He provides us with himself. So this is the question I have for you this evening. Do you know him? Do you know him? Hey, I'm so glad that you listened to the Night Church podcast sermon today. I know that God is going to do great things in your life. Whatever you felt and heard from the Lord through this sermon, I hope that you would share this with someone that you love and care about and that you would consider even joining us one Friday evening. Blessings to you and hope you get to listen to the next one coming up soon. Hey, I hope you've really enjoyed the first part of this sermon. These sort of productions do require some financial giving. And so if you'd like to take part in reaching more young adults across North America and even the world, would you consider giving on praxisministry.org? And there you can sign up and select Praxis Young Adults to be part of our giving campaign. Hope you enjoy the rest of this sermon. If you have your Bible, or it might show up on the screen, I, I want us to turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. And it says this, Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. And understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these, these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. This verse says this, those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know God. Again, it's not freedom for freedom's sake. It's not even provision for provision's sake. It's not even provision for me to say, look at all the things that God gave me. It's freedom and provision for the simple sake of relationship. Just to know him. To love him. 
to receive his love and to learn what it means to fall completely in love with him. I was at this point in my life where I knew a lot about him. Right, probably, I'm going to assume like many of you, I grew up within the Seventh-day Adventist church. I grew up in this region. And so every single week, one verse in academy, one verse in Sabbath school, every single week I had to memorize a different verse of the Bible. By the time I was 10 years old, 10 commandments, beatitudes, love chapter, memorized. Right, we have an in-depth knowledge of the three angels' messages. We, we understand the 28 fundamental beliefs. But I'm just going to speak for myself. Not for any of you. I'm going to speak for myself. I knew all of those things, but I had no relationship with God. There was so much head knowledge. I could tell you facts, information, all of that. I could probably beat you in Bible trivia. But I had no relationship with him. In high school, I would tell my peers, I would tell other youth to read your Bible, pray to God. But I wasn't even doing it myself. It's about relationship. Can I give you an example? <laughs> this is actually kind of relevant. Do you guys know Steph Curry, the basketball player? Yeah, yeah, Hey, someone give an update. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're, they're actually playing this evening. Uh, it's, it's not important. <laughs> Maybe. No. Uh, Steph Curry, the basketball player, right? So I'm going to expose myself a little bit. I know a lot about Steph Curry. I know that Steph Curry was born in Akron, Ohio, the same hospital as LeBron James. I know that Steph Curry is the son of an NBA player, Del Curry. He went to college at Davidson College in North Carolina. He was drafted number seven in the 2009 NBA draft by the, by the Golden State Warriors. He's a four-time NBA champion, two-time league MVP, one-time NBA Finals MVP, one-time NBA All-Star Game MVP. He's, he has the most three-pointers made in NBA history. You guys, it gets crazy. I know his wife's name is Aisha. I know his two daughters' names are Riley and Ryan. I know his son's name is Cannon. And I can go to San Francisco. I can go to the Chase Center where the, where the Warriors play, and I can put on Warriors merch. I can write a nice, nice poster. Steph, I love you, number one fan. Yeah. Right? Like I can be in the stands, courtside seats, nosebleed section. Doesn't matter. Right? Get up my seat, lift my hands, yell, cheer every time he makes a three-pointer. But if I were to show up to the man's house, right, if I were to show up to the man's house or ring his little ring alarm thing, right, he would either open the door or look at, look at his app, his little ring app. And this is what he would say to me. Who are you? Who are you? I don't know you. Who are you? I don't know. Man, there's this place in the Bible where, like, these people who are, who are working, who are, it seems like they're doing the Lord's work. They're like, Jesus, didn't we, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? And Jesus says to them, I never knew you. Get away from me. Whoa. But the thing is, like, that, that can seem like a scary statement, but the thing is, it's about relationship. There's a simplicity to the relationship that he's calling us into. Do you know me? Do you know me? So I was at this point where, where I knew so much about God. But I didn't have a relationship with him. And so that's why he was so specific with me in the way that he delivered me. Is he was teaching me what it means to have intimacy with him. 
He was like, Jordan, you cannot pursue intimacy through all these sexual desires. That's not what true intimacy is. True intimacy is knowing me face to face, allowing me to refine you. Whoa. For me, it was significant because he met me in my loneliness. He met me in the space of having very few connections. He met me in the space of sadness. I wasn't quite depression. But he was like, Jordan, I just, I just want you to know me. So all of these behaviors, all these addictions that, that, that you're in, it's not for me to wag my finger at you and say, bad, bad, Jordan. No, it's, it's to say, Jordan, like, these things are taking away your time. This, this stuff is just taking away our father-son time. And so I'm going to clear out all this space so you can just come and know me. And understand that I am everything that you need. I'm everything that you've ever desired. It's found in me and me alone. And this radically changed my relationship with God. It radically changed my prayer life. It radically changed the way I approach reading scripture. And I, I just have to say this for myself and, and for those of you who are in ministry. This, this is never the goal. Being on this stage, leading worship, preaching to a crowd, this is never the goal. This is never the, the height of your spiritual life. The, the height and the beauty, the, the most beautiful parts of your spiritual walk with the Lord are the parts that nobody sees. The parts that are reflected by Jesus when even though he was doing ministry, he slipped away from the crowd and went up the mountain to be with the Father by himself. He got in a boat, crossed a lake just so he can be alone with the Father. Like those are the most beautiful moments. To get into your room, close the door, turn off the lights. To be in your car, by yourself, worship music on. Maybe even in silence. Maybe it's the bathroom, a closet, I don't know. But whatever it is, like there's such a, a sweetness. Just being with him and learning what it means to be intimate. And so when we, when we approach a verse like Psalm 37.4, if it's okay if you put that verse back on the screen again. Psalm 37.4. It says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. So what are the desires of my heart? They're, they're valid desires. Community, connection, life purpose, the answers to my doubts, healing for my loved ones, genuine solid relationship, freedom from addiction. These are genuine valid desires but check this out when you delight in the Lord what does it mean to delight in something it means to be so fully satisfied so fully satisfied to the brim with something that nothing else can come between nothing else can compare nothing else can get in the way so when you take delight in the Lord, you're so satisfied with who he is. And when the verse says, and he will give you the desires of your heart, you start saying, he will give me the desires of my heart. But then this, that makes a complete U-turn and it comes right back to him. That, that when I'm so fully satisfied with him, he becomes the only desire of my heart. Spending time with him, knowing him, learning about him, 
being with him in his presence. I don't have to hear anything. I don't have to say anything. I just want to be with you, Lord. That is the one desire of my heart. And when you're in that space, he looks at you and he says, my son, my daughter, this is all I want you to be concerned about right here. Just me and you. All these other things over here. These are valid concerns. But he says, let me take care of this. Let me take care of this. The only thing I want you to be concerned about is this right here. Just me and you. It's the call to be married before the feet of Jesus. It's the call to be that one leper in ten. Even though all ten were healed, only one came back to give glory to the Son of Man and to fall at his feet and to worship him. It's the simple call to come to him, to know him. So we boast about knowing him. Not in the things that he provides, but in the simple fact that the creator of the universe is calling me by name every single night, just wanting to be with me. So my prayer is this, that a hunger arises in you. A hunger arises in you that only he can satisfy. A hunger that only himself and his presence can fill. So it's the hunger of Moses. In Exodus 33, we see God talking to him about going into the promised land. This land that represented freedom and security for his people. And Moses says this in Exodus 33, 15. Lord, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. But Moses, there's land over here. There's freedom for your people. There's security. There's all you need. But Moses was like, Lord, if I, if I don't have you, none of that matters. None of that matters. It's the hunger of the psalmists. Not, not necessarily David. It's uh, the descendants of Korah. But the psalmists in Psalm 42 that write this psalm that says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you. You guys know the song. As the deer pants for the waters of my soul. Right? Like my entire life, my entire life, I heard that song and I was like, yo, this song is really peaceful. This deer is just like calmly walking by water. Like it was a very peaceful melody to me. But it wasn't until about a year ago that I started realizing like, hold on. This deer is straight dying. Right? Like what happens when an animal is panting? They're dehydrated. Right? Like this, this deer is like, I cannot survive until I can dunk my head in this stream of water. And so these psalmists, these descendants of Korah, they have this hunger that says, God, like, like a deer that's dying. That's what I'm like when I'm away from you. Like you're the only thing that satisfies me. And I, I also pray for you to have a hunger like Paul. Paul who faced so many trials, right? 
Like we, we all know. Paul who was persecuted, beaten, incarcerated, shipwrecked, lacked a lot of things. Paul lacked a relationship. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have children. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. He says this, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. And this is like one of my favorite sentences in the entire Bible. Paul writes, Paul, he's like, you guys know everything he's went through. Like all these lashes, beatings. Can't even write his own letters. He needs a scribe for every letter he writes because his hands are just so beaten up. Right, like Paul who has to rely on, on the financial donations, the security of the other bre- brothers of the church. Paul writes this. He says, we own nothing. And yet, we have everything. <laughs> That's wild. It's wild to me. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? He's Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. But he's more than just the God who gives me these nice things. No, he sees the desire of my heart. And he desires to fill it. But what does he provide me with more than anything? He provides me with himself. So we go back to Genesis chapter 22. Abraham and Isaac are walking to this place of sacrifice. And Isaac's behind Abraham, I imagine, with this bundle of of wood. And he's like, wait, Father. Father, we have the wood. We have the fire. Where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says to him, my son. The Lord will provide the sheep. This is a prophetic statement. Most scholars believe that Moses wrote the book of Genesis. I'm going to jump forward. John chapter 5, Jesus is talking to Jewish leaders and he tells them, if you believe Moses, you would believe me. Why? Because Moses wrote about me. Is Jesus with his very lips saying that, The first books of all scripture write about him. And so in Genesis 22, when Abraham is saying, my son, the Lord will provide the sheep. It's a prophetic statement. He's not referring to the the ram that was found in the thicket. No, he's referring to John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist is beside the Jordan River and looks into the crowd and the spirit of God reveals to him. Jesus and he says behold the lamb the Lord will provide the sheep and John the Baptist says the Lord will behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world Jehovah Jireh the Lord will provide and what does he provide you with himself himself I love hymns. Today, the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, hit a new chord for me. And I got a little emotional. I was like, God, like, don't make me cry on stage. I'm, 
are you shedding tears right now? Because this is the thing. There's this line within the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, that says, All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Look, we're going to look at this in a new light now. In light of everything that was just said. In light of everything that the Lord reached you with. We used to think, God, all I have needed, your hand has provided. But now we're going to look at it like this. God, all I've needed, your hand. It's just him. It's the simplicity of relationship with him. <laughs> there is no job title. There is no, there is no tier of financial stability. There is no relationship that you can enter into. I'm even going to say this. There is no, there is no status of, of mental health that you can have that will fully satisfy you if you don't have him. Like he is, he is the author of life and he is life itself. All I have needed, your hand has provided because Lord, you've provided me with yourself. So even in failure, even if I don't get the job, even if my loved one doesn't get healed, even if I'm still struggling in school, even if it takes me years to figure out what I'm doing with my life, I will still have peace. Because I know God the way that Moses knew God. I know God the way that Peter and Paul knew God. I know God the way that David knows God. This longing heart that says, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't even want to go into the promised land if you're not there. All I have needed, your hand has provided. So even in failure, I have peace because I have him. It's a reflection of Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. It's a present tense statement. It's not saying the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing because he's going to provide me with everything. No, it's saying the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I need. That's all I ever need. Do you know him as your good shepherd? Do you know him as a loving father? Because in, in the house of a loving father, the children do not worry about where the food is coming from. They do not worry how the bills are going to get paid. They do not worry about security. They just look to their father and they have fun with their father. And in the sheepfold with the good shepherd, the sheep aren't worried about where are the wolves going to come from. No, our shepherd is protecting us. Our shepherd is at the gate. And he's taking care of us. Who is he? to you. Who is he to you? I'm not going to draw this out at all, but the simple appeal is this. The voice of the Father, the voice of the Good Shepherd is calling you. Like, but God, I'm not, like you, you don't know what, what I just did before I got here. You don't know what I'm caught up into. No, like the voice of the Father is calling you. You don't understand that the prodigal son had a million excuses why he shouldn't have been in his father's house. And as he started to give his father excuses, all his father did was just embraced him. 
and say, my son, welcome home. Welcome home. The simple appeal is this. If you're at this point in your walk with the Lord, where you need to repent for looking elsewhere other than him. And you're like, Lord, like I've been looking for solutions and answers and satisfaction and all these things on the periphery. I've missed sight of you, Lord. Or if you're at this place in your life and your walk with God when you're like, where you're like, Lord, I think when I, when I pray to you, I don't know if you're listening. When I open the Bible, it's boring. Like I don't know how to, how to find you. I don't know how to connect with you. But I need you. I need you. If you're at this place, I just want to ask you to stand. This is not about me. This is not about the person next to me. But if you're at this place in your walk with the Lord, I just want you to stand to your feet. And if you're nervous about standing, just ask him, Lord, Father, should I stand? God, give me clarity. Should I stand? I don't know if I should. It's a simple call of the Father, beckoning his children closer to him. Son, daughter, I just want you to know me. I just want you to know me. Jehovah Jireh, he provides us with himself. Look, you guys, I believe in, in the power of prayer. I believe in the importance of prayer and for us coming together as a community of believers. And for those of you who are standing all around the auditorium, I'm going to ask something very simple of you. If it is your desire, we have, we have a prayer team around, around the auditorium who would love to pray for you. They're specifically here to pray for you. If it is your desire to receive prayer, I just ask that you just start coming forward. Those of you who are standing, even if you didn't stand up, please just come forward to the front. And we have people on our prayer team who would love to pray for you. If you're standing in the back and your heart's desire is, Lord, I just want to know you more. I just want to deepen my relationship with you. I need you more than ever. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold, but I know that you hold tomorrow. If that's your desire, come forward. Come forward all the way to the front so that the prayer team knows. All the way to the front. All the way to the front. For those of you who are still standing, or even if you're seated, we're going to take the next three to five minutes, and I'm just going to let my brother Gerald just, just lead us and allow the Lord to minister to your heart. But I'm going to get off the mic, and I just ask all around the room that we just maintain this, this moment. This is a holy moment. Stay in the room. Don't leave yet. We're just going to have a moment of prayer. If you're in your seats by yourself, it's just you and the Father. If you're up here and you're desiring prayer, people on our prayer team are going to come up to you and ask if you need prayer. We're just going to allow the Lord to 